With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. The magical Friday night concert with Todd Fritsch, Fritz. Featuring Darius Rucker. That's what it, it did look odd, though. You were singing, then Darius was behind you, so he was your backup singer. Extremely odd. And wearing the bar mitzvah shirt. Yes, he did. And he did say when you were done, he walked over to me off stage and he goes, I pay up my effing bets. You sure did. Because yeah. <laughs> I kept saying, I said, look, you're going to, you got to wear that t shirt. He goes, all right, I'm going to wear it when he sings. And then, uh, and then, so when you got done, he walked over and he told me. And it's he's one, right. It's one thing to have a bet like, I'll take you out to dinner or I'll pick up a round of golf or whatever. But something like this is insane that he allowed that to happen. It'll never happen again. I don't foresee that. Yeah, it won't happen again. All right, uh, let's settle on the poll question, Seton. Yeah, I just put up their uh, biggest uh, win this weekend, the Big 12, Sweden over the U.S. WNT. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau making live golf history uh, or Fritzy conquering Bridgeport. Uh, Right now, it is a tie between Sweden and Todd. (laughs) Todd barely. uh, I'll take that. I'm in the mix. You know what? Big 12 is up there, too, actually. And now it's looking more like a three-way tie between those. Yeah. Nobody cares about Bryson DeChambeau with a 58. No. I mean, it's still a 58, but... It would have been nice if we saw it. You know, I was watching golf this weekend. Uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau playing on the Live Tour. You know, tree falls in the woods. Right. No one cares. Right. No right. one cares. All right. Uh, let's see. Fritzy goes to sound check Friday afternoon. Mario takes him, and then he drops him off venue in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And Todd, I get Mario takes uh, some video, so I get a little inkling on how Soundcheck is going. And then I reached out to a member of the band, not Darius, and I said, uh, how are we doing? He goes, well, it'll be interesting. And then I said, okay. He goes, he's got confidence, but I don't know about talent. And then I said, okay, but, you know, that's not what he does full time. But he said, hey, he's got confidence, and that, that helps. When you get up there, don't be intimidated. And I said, okay. So 
You did sound check. It started pro- getting progressively more real to me when I walked through the halls and you're seeing all the Darius Rucker albums and there's different rooms for where the crew is and production offices. And then down at the very end of the hall, there are these two eerie doors that lead to the, uh, I guess, to the set. But the doors look like almost like hospital doors where they wheel you in when you're about to go in for some kind of operation. It just felt like a hospital kind of uh, walk th- walkway. And then once you get out there, the microphones are there, the band is set up, and you're looking at thousands of empty seats. And, you know, they're starting to play the music that they've been practicing for Kiss on My List and Private Eyes. And I think it really started to hit me that all those empty seats there are going to have actual people in them in the coming hours. And then I got to see the set list. And that's when it really hit me. So you had all of Darius's songs and then like seven songs in, and then it had Todd's songs. And I took a picture of this, sent it out to the Danettes, and then then I think it sunk in that this is really going to happen. Darius is going to sing seven songs, and then he's going to introduce Todd Fritz. Yeah! How y'all feeling tonight? Y'all doing all right? Well, you know... I think he's a resident of around here. Dan Patrick from the Dan Patrick Show is a real good friend of mine. And I lost the bet. I lost the bet to Dan. And so uh, I would like to introduce you guys to the star of the show tonight, Fritzy. (laughs) And this is going to be awesome. Fritz, there you are. Hey, that's not cool. And that's that's my favorite football shirt ever, ever. How are we doing, Bridgeport? <laughs> Let's go! Give it up for Darius allowing me to come on stage and sing for you guys for a few minutes. Crazy. Could not believe this has happened. Okay. Darius could have framed the bet that he lost a little better. I should have helped him out. Because the crowd is not sure what's going on. He mentions me, and he lost a bet. And then here's Todd, Fr- you know, here's Fritzy. And the audience is going, wait. They're treating him like he's Cher or, uh, you know, he's Bono or Sting. Star of the show. Should we know who this person is? And then you did you did say, you know, <laughs> eh, Bridgeport. Well, was we were good. talking about that. I still, up until that moment, I wasn't sure exactly what to do. But I'm like, let me acknowledge the crowd in some way, whatever I'm going to say. And then I should say a, a thank you to Darius for, like, allowing me to, like, do this. And I always thought from the beginning I was just going to do a couple of songs at the very beginning, way before he got on stage to get it over with. I had no idea that he was going to sing several songs, interrupt his concert in the middle at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night and have me do it then. So that was weird. And being backstage with Todd prior to this and his wife, and he was in a room that had three boxes of cold pizza and he was talking a mile a minute. I'd went in there and I would, I would be talking to his wife and then Todd would interrupt. You know, Todd's wife goes, uh, you took uh, three daughters to college. You know, we, we we're sending our daughter. What's it like? I didn't get a chance to say anything. Todd jumped in for three minutes and then didn't shut up. It's like a nervous energy was going oh on. Oh, my a little God. Bit. You could have lit up the entire arena with your electricity. And I kept going, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Relax. Relax. Check out my outfit. Go, 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 go check out my outfit. <laughs> I got it. I got that. And, I, and I'm going, I said, relax. I said, do you want to do a shot? Do you want to, you know, no, 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 no. I said, okay. And then I would come back, you know, periodically just to check on him. And I could just see where his wife, it was like, 
I am held prisoner in here. I can't get out of here. I was hiding in the bathroom for a while. And when I got out, uh, my wife said, I think they wanted you to go down the hall, take a shot with them or something yes. like that. I think I'll just hide in here until they need me. All right. So this is, uh, this is how it sounded when Todd started to sing all the notes. My friends wonder why I call you all the time. What can I say? All righty, that's uh, that's how we started there. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> I kept waiting for the band to start singing back background back up just to help you a little bit because your voice alone, uh, you needed a little bit of help there. I was waiting for Dick. I don't think I don't think he wanted to be guilt by association. He's just watching. And I'm going, man, D, come on, let's go. Get in there. Sing a little bit. It's there. not a compliment when the crew tells you, you have to, you got to keep in mind the acoustics aren't great in here. It's no way of saying that that was a little pitchy. Instead of saying that wasn't sounding great, I was like, well, there's a lot of concrete walls here. You know, you don't have the stuff in your ear yeah. that you normally do. The no, singers have things it, in their it ear. Wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was still awesome. I, I, I mean, I give you a ton of credit that you go out there and you, you, you sang as if it was the most important thing in your life. Uh, and, it, and it really mattered to you. And the support I, of the audience, I was not expecting that. We were talking about jokingly that are they going to throw stuff at you, boo, get off the you know stage? We want Darius. They were back. with you. It was the second song, and I told you. Then you wear out your welcome. He just killed it with seven songs of his own, and then he introduces you, and then you do that, and then that's where they they cheer, and it's like, oh, that's awesome. And then Todd started to sing "Private Eyes." I see you and you see me. Watch you blow in the lights when you're making a scene. Oh, girl, you've got to know what my head overlooks. The senses will show to my heart when it's watching for lies. You can't escape my private eyes. They're watching you. They see your. That's uh, when it became bad karaoke yeah, during the Zarius yes, yes, it did. Yes, Marv. You know what? In the audience, during Private Eyes, I don't know if, if you saw this, Paulie, but during the claps, they were into it where I was at. You know, Private well, They were trying to drown out Todd. <laughs> I found the audience to be very supportive, which was awesome, and it made me a lot more relaxed. But uh, did I miss some notes there? And did I not, you know, sing at certain moments when I was going too fast or too slow? It was all that. The biggest criticism I got was, why are my hands playing pocket pool? Well, I didn't know what you were doing. Oh, dear. I didn't know what you were doing. 
because my wife said, why does he have his hands in his pocket? And I, I honestly didn't know what to do with them. I wasn't holding the mic. I let the mic stand, hold the mic, and I wasn't playing an instrument. So I didn't. A couple of times I raised my hand to the crowd or I pointed at my eye for private eyes. <laughs> but 99.9% of the time, they just were stuffed in my pockets That's out of nervousness, nerves, too. Yeah, nerves thing. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, so our buddy Jake just tweeted. Todd Fritz is a miracle worker. Since the invention of smartphones, Todd Fritz is the only musician that can perform a set without a crowd full of lit up screens. <laughs> God bless you, Fritzy. You're giving music back to the people. Yeah, I do what I can. Oh, uh, my wife's as soon as Todd was going to come on, I had the set list. I knew he was coming out. And then she goes like, I cannot watch this. So she she had to walk around the building. She was so nervous for you. And then she goes, I didn't watch, but I couldn't get away from the sound because you could hear it throughout. And then she goes, uh, I'm glad it's over with. And then we get to the encore. And Todd is next to me with his wife. And I know I'm going out for a uh, uh, wagon wheel. You know, Darius has already said, hey, I got a tambourine up there. Come on up there. Todd goes to me. And it felt like an all sincerity. He's like, should I go out there for an encore? I go, no, 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 no. And your wife even said, no, no, you're not going out there. I thought he was going to bring me and Drew Holcomb back, and they were all going to hold hands like at the end of a, a theater of like play or something. Drew we'd Holcomb all, was the opening right. act and for we, the and, audience. And we'd all bowed you know, at the end, and yeah. they'd cheer for no, all of us together. Like, no, no. And that's what I told him. I said, no, no, we're done. We're done. Yep. That's it. Ball game. My wife was very, um, you know, really standing by me when she said, you could still get out of this. You know, Dan will understand this is a kind of a stressful thing. You want to go home? Just what she told me a half hour before I'm supposed to go out there. I did talk to a member of the band and uh, he said, hey, we can always turn up the volume on our uh, instruments if we need to. And uh, I said, no, no, we don't need to drown this out. You know, I think it, it let, let him sing. And then uh, if Darius jumps in, that's great. But, uh, you know, they, they were taking precautions to protect you. There were suggestions, um, some people, at least on Twitter, that they're going to pull the Cubs seventh inning stretch thing <laughs> where I'm going to think that I'm singing, but, but something all of a sudden is going to go terribly wrong and they're going to pull it and I'm just going to be kind of lip syncing it with no sound coming out of the mic. Yeah, the video is available on DanPatrick.com. Paulie live streamed this, didn't you? Yeah, we were in a good spot and surprisingly had cell phone service. Marvin and I were, I say I would say maybe row 20, Marvin, dead center. Yes. And, and the audio we pulled is real crisp and clear. But if you add in the crowd noise, Fritzy did real well, like especially the first song. Some of those high notes, believe me, I'm not going to make fun of anybody because anyone out there who's going to make fun of what Todd did couldn't go up there and do it. Unless you're oh, no, a no, singer. but we know we can't go up there. Yes. <laughs> Todd doesn't know Some that. people know better enough yeah. to not go to Paulie, I, I know yeah. I can't sing that. But the crowd, the, the crowd was with him early. He, they he, were. Yeah, and you know he did this one move. He had his hands in his pockets, you know, like that – uh, Alanis Morissette, he had two hands in his pockets. and But then one thing, he pulled his hand out, did this little spinny move yeah, in his hand. Yeah, I don't know what that was. And I, then he bailed on it and put it right back in his pocket. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I'm not sure why I did Once that. Once again, uh, Darius Rucker and his tour manager, Mike Kelly, they were wonderful. The band, because uh, I said to Todd, that band is really good. Don't worry about them. They couldn't have been nicer or more supportive or kind. They kept checking in on and me. And they, you know, I even said to one member of the band, I said, you're going to have to keep pace with Todd. It won't be the other way around. He goes, no, we're, we're, we're good. Well, during the sound check, at least three times they stopped down in the middle. I thought maybe there was something got unplugged from one of their instruments or something. It's because I started singing too fast. So let's take it from the top. And I, couldn't I know what that meant. I couldn't find Darius. 
I could not find Darius prior to going, you know, when the show started. And then he comes out and he comes out of his bus. He comes backstage and I go, uh, hey, he goes, hey, I love you, man. And I said, all right. I said, <laughs> that's a, not a good start. No. And uh, I, I said, you OK with this? He goes, yeah, I don't I don't know when Todd's singing. I go, well, I got the set list here. And I think we're seven songs in. He goes, what? <laughs> and I'm going, did they run this by you? He goes, no, no, we'll make it work. And that was it. We walked out right by the stage. They had a bunch of uh, shots ready, did a toast. Uh, the toast was not to Todd. Uh, it was to somebody who became a grandfather, one of the members of the band. And then, uh, boom, doors open out there, and Darius walks on stage and starts singing. Yes, he... So you didn't really get too good of a sense of what Darius's demeanor was going into No, this. I did not. You weren't really sure if he was, like, grinding over it or if he was just cool or... I had no idea. Wow. But when he came off his bus, he came in and he goes, hey, love you, man. And I, <laughs> like, love you, man. Like, so this is the last we're ever talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. So now our friendship is over after yes. you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And then we walked <laughs> as we walked to the stage, because I still needed to get a little sense of how Darius was dealing with this. And they're they're micing him up and putting in, you know, his earpieces. And and I'm I'm walking out. I'm right by him. Because I just want to make sure he's okay with this. And then he turns. He goes, this is going to be effing awesome. And I go, (laughs) I said, okay. And then he goes, I love you, man. Gave me a hug. He walks right on stage. Boom, lights on. He starts singing. I went, okay, here we go. Yes, Eden. Can we just rewind a little bit to uh, sound check? Because I know Todd had mentioned being on stage and seeing all of the empty seats. But now he just gave us a little glimpse into what the sound check actually was like because he said they stopped down several times and said they had to take it from the top. What was happening there? Like when you walked out on stage, did they give you any advice? Did they tell you like, all right, let's just try it once and see how it goes? Like what happened? They basically said, you know, which one of the two do you want to sing first? They they were kind enough to in advance. They had the words like on little monitors, just in case I wanted to kind of peek, in case I was panicking and did, I was did you, some of the words. Did you I did glance use down. the teleprompter? Yes, okay. I did. I knew all the words, but I had rehearsed it so many times that it's like when you overstudy for a test, you start blanking out or something. So it was nice to have that there. <laughs> and but- I did walk by the dressing room, and the door was open, and his wife was sitting on the couch. <laughs> and I and Todd had the bathroom door closed. So I'm walking by, and I can hear him, Private on- I was practicing while I was like washing my hands over and over. He said, you know, I always sound great in the shower. So I'm going to be in the bathroom and the echo is is great. You know, the uh, the acoustics. Yes, Paul. Dan, the I-team has some bonus audio from Soundcheck. Okay. If you'd like to hear. All right. Are you watching you four times? Watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you private. Is that what you're doing four times? That's fine. And guys, we're just going to stay on the G. G. I think he's doing four. Yeah, just stay on that. Okay. Private eyes are watching you. They see your every move. Private eyes, they're watching you. Private eyes, they're watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you. Private eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was giving oh. him some suggestions. Jeff is like their head music guy. And I'm like, what if we end it here? Or what if I sing this yeah, person you, that we should? You were way too involved, and these are professionals. And that's why I kept going, just shut up. I hope they were appreciating that I was offering suggestions. You, you didn't need it to. It was like a collab going yeah, on. Yeah, you, you, you're not 
you're, you're not in a position to offer suggestions. Why don't I just go private eyes and we end it there instead of doing the verse a fourth time because I don't make the song longer. I love it. It's like, okay, so we're going to do this. We're going to end on the G and then we'll hit the sustain. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then Todd goes, he, we see the set list. He goes, they got the songs mixed up. I, 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 it should be this and then not nah, that. Nah. Why, why is it private eyes? You know I'm a little bit of a creature of habit. And, and I the, said, Todd, habit. Are you okay? I can't. I just no. I just like things. You know, I like things that we're not with music and singing in front of a crowd, but just in general in my life. This is how the order of events of how he I goes, do. It anything. should be private eyes. Private eyes should be first. That's what we sung first. Like That's my And I go. It's it's okay. Can I change it? No, no. They're doing. Uh, just get up there and do it. How about we just do one song? No, 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 no. It, you know what? I may, may never get this chance again. I go, you won't get this chance again. I'm just letting you know. Do one song. There you was, do two, you got no chance. There was a method to the madness. I wanted to do Private Eyes first because Private Eyes was like the number 12 song in 1981, and Kiss on My List was number three. So I was going to sing the one that was the bigger. Nobody cared. They didn't care. <laughs> they I, didn't. I was shocked that they knew the words and they sang along and they no, seemed are, to be enjoying it as far as the crowd goes. It's an older crowd. They, of course, were quite familiar shocked with they knew the words. It's not like you found some yeah. underground hits. Yeah, this yeah, wasn't the B-side It's a 40-year-old song. I just don't know. I didn't know what the age range <laughs> yes, of uh, Darius. One yes, quick Paul. last thing. I, I thank you and getting us tickets and Darius and all the whole thing. Yeah. Marvin and I were sitting in row 20. Darius and their band had that crowd jumping from wire to wire. I looked behind me. The place was jumping. It was completely packed. Darius did a song that I didn't know too well. It's called If I Told You. Holy cow, that guy can sing. He crushed that song, and it was like the the, the instruments kind of dropped out, and he was on right in front of the crowd, and he did a song called If I Told You, and, and we looked at each other like, that is nuts. Yeah, but you're also hearing his voice compared to Todd's. <laughs> it did help. So, just it, saying. It did help. I mean, there Darius was Pavarotti oh, he compared it. to, you know, Fritzy up there. How about we take a break, Okay. How about a round of applause from Todd Fritz? Well done. It was an awesome experience, and I can't thank you and Darius enough, even though it was for a bet and we thought it might be a disaster. You can thank me enough. You just usually don't. No, but who gets who gets a chance to play, like, pretend to be a mini, mini, mini rock star for a night or a couple hours? That was uh, insanely uh, awesome to be able to play do Play of the Day is up next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms, and it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little 
well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. I mentioned a couple things with college football. I thought that when we had expansion, therefore we might not have realignment as far as the playoff expansion, that maybe more schools would stay together, and then you try to win your conference, then you have an automatic berth. Obviously, that didn't work out. And the question is, what's next? It's about your footprint. Where is your footprint in the map of the United States? And if you're the Big Ten and you could get into SEC country, would be ACC country with Clemson and Florida State, but still you're going south. And and you can't say, well, that won't happen because nobody thought UCLA and USC wouldn't happen. And what's the SEC do? Does the SEC say, you know what? Big Ten's interested in these two schools. Why don't we take these schools? Or maybe take one of the two schools. But I don't, I, you know, I don't think you can say, well, you know, that's off the board. Yes, I know you got the contracts with the ACC, but we've seen contracts broken. Bruce Feldman covers the sport, uh, the athletics, uh, national college football writer, Fox Sports college football reporter as well. Where do you want to start with this, Bruce? I mean, I, I think it's such a vast landscape that we're talking about, Dan, where everything is getting overturned. And I think you hit on it where... Whatever somebody said two weeks ago who's in a position of leadership, you almost have to take it with a grain of salt. In fact, you do, because we've seen this time and time again. It's the money that drives everything. And I know we use the term conference realignment. It's really conference consolidation. And the smaller, smaller, non-glamorous, non-maybe big brand programs are getting squeezed now because... There's TV money, and it's the TV influence that's driving a lot of this. And full disclosure, like you said, I work for Fox Sports. Um, but I think it's also, it's like a kill or be killed vibe right now in college athletics. But you start to look at what's next. It's Florida State and Clemson, is that what's next, if that even happens? I think those are the, that's right now what everyone's kind of keeping an eye on. Florida State's leadership has really been vocal about trying to get out of the the grant of rights that it has with the ACC, which, by the way, ESPN is heavily involved in. So you wonder, is ESPN going to go bid against itself? You know, much <laughs> like like the the uh, Big Ten has heavily influence from Fox. Uh, the SEC now has extremely big influence, you know, by ESPN. So it's it's a really complicated dynamic because you have a bunch of other schools in the ACC. You know, I think you'd include Virginia and North Carolina in terms of those states and what their TV rights could mean from those states. Um, I don't think that the fact that North Carolina is a great basketball, has great basketball history and, and some of these programs that are probably more basketball schools and football schools. I don't think that 
that drives the bus. We saw that the last decade from the conference moving moving around. But I definitely think the ACC is really the last thing at this point before I think we start to see do some of the uh, TV drivers end up saying, hey, you should really sure about this school. The schools that are already in the conferences, whether they're in the SEC, whether they're in the Big Ten, you have to wonder if those other other schools don't really drive TV revenue. Are those the ones who eventually get squeezed where this kill or be killed game you know, keeps unfolding? Well, that's what I was wondering about this, that you got Purdue and Illinois and uh, Maryland and Rutgers and nobody cares about their – Purdue, we, you know, has a pretty good history there. But the other schools, do we really care about their football programs? Uh, can you say, hey, we have some nice parting gifts for you, but uh, we, we want to move on and bring in somebody else besides these, uh, these programs? I mean, at some point, you know, back in the USC sanctions days, USC, you know, a lot of money people at USC were very frustrated. Why are we getting the same rate as Oregon State and Washington State? They don't drive eyeballs. We do. And they're along, you know, we're we're along driving everything and they're just along for the ride. I think if the leagues make these decisions, because honestly, one of the things that logically you looked at when you saw, you know, some of the move momentum for Washington and Oregon to join the Big Ten late last week. And I could I was like, oh, I could totally see why this makes a lot of sense, especially if it works into a Friday night TV package that's tied into it. But if you're those other schools, Indiana, um, you know, you rattled off a bunch of them, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, um, you just got further away from the top by adding, you know, Phil Knight's program and Washington. I mean, they both have played in the playoff not that long ago. One played for the national title. One, you know, one has been one has won a national title, you know, in the 90s. So I think that is a question that they have to be asking themselves because obviously they went along for what they think is in the best interest of the big 10. I'm not ultimately sure if it's in the best interest of their own schools, Hmm. but right now what choice do they have? If you're sitting there looking at what happened to, to Washington state and Oregon state and Stanford and Cal. Talking to Bruce Feldman. He works for the athletic national college football writer and also is a a sideline reporter for Fox sports, their college football package. How could the PAC 12 have prevented this? Uh, I think they had one commissioner who seemed like he never in Larry Scott, who who kind of lost track of keeping the main thing, the main thing, and was so excited to like chase innovation at the, at the expense of reality. And then they went with another outside the box hire in George Klyovkov, who just really kept on, you know, I hate to use this analogy, but it's the one that kind of came to mind as I watched this, where it's like, there's an old Seinfeld episode where George Costanza seems to bluff his future in-laws all the way out to the Hamptons for something that doesn't exist. That's kind of how this felt for <laughs> for the Pac-12, where it's like, hey, you know, I, I saw this stuff late last week. People were saying on, on Friday morning, Pac-12 schools are cautiously optimistic, quote unquote, that this is going to work out. They've been cautiously, cautiously optimistic for months. And almost everybody else was like, hey, this thing is falling apart right in front of us. Do you really buy it? And they did. And I just think, you know, it's that expression. He just did not read the room right. They went down this road, you know, with with this Apple distribution deal that 
I think it concerned, especially Oregon, to look at it and go, you know what? A couple of years from now, we can still have a path to the playoff. We stay in the in the in the Pac-12 because of the way things are set up. But eventually, people will not be able to see our games. And if recruits can't see you and their families can't see you, you really can't keep keep recruiting those kinds of the same caliber of kids. They're going to go someplace else, and the money gap is going to widen. There was no guarantees into the deal. You know, we we reported a lot on this over the weekend with the athletic about just what the money was. And I think that whole thing, again, I just think they really did not evaluate the, the, the TV media landscape, at least the way Brett Yormark, who's also a new, relatively new commissioner, did for the, for the Big 12. He was very aggressive, and I think he had a better feel for, the, for what was going on around him in terms of the media landscape, whereas the Pac-12, once again, seem to be really asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I don't know how they could have been cautiously optimistic on Friday morning when I was told Thursday night that Washington and Oregon are out. That 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 they weren't even showing up for that you know conference call or whatever it was. They were done, and that you know then the uh, Pac-12 they were cautiously optimistic, and I go, I don't know what you're optimistic about. Because now you're, you know, you're losing two of your marquee schools there. What do you do with these other four schools now? That's a great question because I don't know if they do some kind of partnership in some way with the Mountain West schools. I mean, San Diego State, there was a dance with San Diego State that's gone on for months. Obviously, that's Southern California. They have a new football stadium, really good basketball program, as you know. I mean, that's into the Southern California market. It's it, That's a legit program. I don't know if they grab SMU, which is kind of floating. I don't know how SMU fits in geographically, but it's a good football program, obviously, in big market, big media market. Then you look at like UNLV. We see UNLV, you know, the Pac-12 has had a relationship with them, moving their moving both their media day and their basketball tournament to Vegas. I don't know if they try to get Boise State, try to get um colorado state i'm not sure what's in it for the mountain west schools to go hey we like our leadership there now we're going to go over here (laughs) where things seem to be falling apart you know if i was the four remaining schools who kind of been left holding the bag i think they have to look at and go you know what maybe we look at the mountain west they have survived some of this where the reality is i think right now is it's a hard reality but i think both oregon state who, by the way, just won 10 games, and that's a legit football program, and Washington State, which has had a lot of success in the last decade. I don't know if, if they say, you know what, we're more like Boise State, we're more like Colorado State, those other guys left us behind, we're going to go ride with them. I don't know exactly how this plays out for Cal and Stanford. They've had all sorts of issues internally and 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 from a resource standpoint, and maybe Cal, maybe Stanford looks at it and goes, you know, we're we are an elite athletic program in all these other sports where we win championships and produce Olympians. Maybe football is is something we have to reevaluate because it's just not as viable the way this landscape is, is shaping up. Yeah, Stanford football has not been good and nobody's showing up for that. Uh, I'll leave you with this. I have no information on this. I just speculated on this. You're Lincoln Riley. You're getting ready to go to the Big Ten. You got one more year. You got Caleb Williams. Could you see a scenario where Lincoln Riley goes pro? If you know, I'll, I'll give you a scenario. Uh, one of my uh, buddies, Brady Quinn, who you know, I, I think we had this conversation offline once. If the Washington football team, the commanders, are awful this year, 
and they end up with the first pick. Caleb Williams is from there. Um, he is a he would be a huge huge get. I think he would have been the first pick in the draft this year if he could have come out. I don't you know again I don't know if Lincoln wants. I think he knows the NFL will always be there for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think the idea of go, taking USC to the Big Ten is daunting at all to him because I think he knows. I mean we're going to see what happens with. But this I thought team. it was daunting better. when he was at Oklahoma. Wasn't there a little bit of pushback of joining the SEC? Uh, when he was head coach at Oklahoma, I mean that's been that's been speculated a lot, and I think a lot of people who are you know especially on the Oklahoma side are not thrilled with him that he bolted. I don't know if that's you know how real that was. Okay, I I do think though if you know somebody said to him, hey, you can coach Caleb in the NFL, I I think that would probably be something he would certainly have to think about. But again, I don't know if he's ready to jump out of USC after just two years either. I mean, moved his family all the way across country, young kids. I don't know if he's definitely going to make that move. Mm-hmm. But again, if if you start seeing the Washington team end up going like, you know, oh, and 11, I, I could definitely see them looking at it going, you know what? We could get Caleb. We could get Caleb's, you know, play caller and a guy who knows him better than anybody. We can really sell that as a, as a new future. Um, you know, maybe it's like a Jimmy Johnson to Dallas deal where it's like we're going to offer him something he can't refuse. But again, that's just uh, okay. that's just a lot of speculation at this point. And that's all it is. It was just me musing out loud. I don't don't want anything attached to this other than I'm thinking out loud. Uh, Bruce, great to talk to you. Great work this weekend. Thanks for joining us. Great seeing you, Dan. Thank you. Bruce Feldman, the athletic national college football writer, Fox Sports College football reporter. It's all about the networks, TV networks. That's it. They have been running the show. I mean, ESPN's been running college football for a long, long time. You noticed? Have you heard anything from the home office of the NCAA? Has anybody heard anything from any? Exactly. Hello? Yeah. (laughs) Toothless. They got nothing to do, nothing to say. Just, uh, what's going on? Who went where? Okay. Well, let me finish my sandwich. We're going to bust Wyoming for giving a kid a milkshake. Yes, Seton. But I, the thing I don't understand about the TV contracts is that it's coming down to when the TV contracts end, what conferences get to survive. If you, if uh, say the Pac-12 had done a, you know, a, a eight-year deal instead of a twelve-year deal, they probably would have been the ones leading now. But because somebody else had a shorter deal, now they're yeah. out of luck. I don't understand how that's like. Well, there's no, there was no exit fee. For these these schools to leave the Pac-12, the other conferences. Uh, if you're leaving, you go. Oh, we got to pay. I mean, uh, San Diego State had an exit fee to leave the Mountain West. Uh, these schools were like, uh, we're ready to go. We can leave. Yeah, Paulie. The ESPN deal with college football with the playoffs, blah blah blah. It ends after the 25-26 season. The current contract. Mm-hmm. But then you have the ACC with their conference, with their uh, contract, but set for another 12 years, something crazy like that. Florida State, I mean, they're saying the things out loud that you would think they would be saying behind the scenes. Like, let's get out of here, you know? ACC, let's go. And it feels like that that's the next step if somebody takes that step in college football. The other stuff, it's sort of ancillary. Like, Washington State joins who the Mountain West. Okay. If you had Florida State and or Clemson, 
try to uh, secede from the ACC. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yes, Marv. College football seems like there's no more secrets. The best part about college football for me, especially when I was younger, was, man, that guy's in a new Range Rover. That guy's in a new whatever. No, 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 no. Spencer Rattler was on his Twitter page. Hey, everybody, come to this dealership. I just got myself a new Range Rover. Sure. Before, it used to be like cash in the paper bag. Now, it's it's the Wild West. NCAA is like, hands, we have nothing to do with any of this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller. You may know me best as a tight end for the New York Giants. You may also know me for my story of overcoming addiction and alcoholism. You may have heard a few of my tracks as an artist or a producer. Uh, You may have seen the work that I've done through my foundation. And you may know my friend and co-host Donnie Starkins as well. He's a mindfulness teacher, a yoga instructor, a life coach, a man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential. And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We rem- 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take the dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Reminisced about Fritzy taking the stage with Darius Rucker, singing a couple of songs, and I don't know if we're better for it, but uh, it was fun. We survived, right, Tom? We survived, and it was an awesome experience. Yes, and my thanks again to Darius and his entire uh, band and everybody else behind the scenes for uh, helping us out there. I, I did look out in the audience. I was uh, side stage with Todd and his wife, and uh, we turned around, and there was a guy holding up a, a sign. Todd has that sign uh, that says... He gave it to me. Suck it, back row. Yeah, the guy had, had that. And obviously spent a lot of money on that sign. Uh, that, uh, Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy. He was smiling and he was pointing at me before we all left and said, look at my suck it, back row cardboard sign. Yeah, yeah. I went, okay. And then Todd, Todd felt better, I think, because of that. You're like, I, all right, they love me here. I did until he said, you suck. Get out of here. <laughs> Can't believe you did that. He did not say that. He did not. He had a big right. smile. It was uh, very nice. Uh, Team USA knocked out of the World Cup, uh, lost on penalty kicks, a little bit of controversy there. NFL Hall of Fame weekend. And uh, now we start to turn our attention to next year and who's going in. I think you got Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates are uh, two of the leading candidates for next year. Um, not sure who else, if there's any other marquee names. On. They're all marquee names. But you are getting a little bit more consideration for what Dion said. And I've been talking about this with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Could you have, like, the penthouse, the third floor, second floor, first floor? Don't have a basement, but, you know, do levels there. Maybe the voting uh, levels. And you, you do have players who belong in the penthouse. And if you do that for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we have 371 Pro Football Hall of Famers. So we're, uh, obviously, in a couple of years, we're going to be at 400. Should there be 400 Hall of Famers? Should we be a little tougher as far as the uh, filtering, uh, the screening process here? And, and it still goes back to, if I say the name, Hall of Famer or not, and then... That's really the litmus test here. But what happens is then you'll have the Veterans Committee who's going to look, and then so now you're a Hall of Famer 30 years after you played or 20 years after you played. Are you really a Hall of Famer? Should we do that? I, you know, I like the window there. Do all your research in the window. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. Yes, Marv? I hate to call out this guy, but maybe like uh, Drew Pearson. He feels like one of those guys where he was so close and then he finally got in, and it was like, man, should we just, you know, let's just put him in because he was a great player for a time, but people didn't think he was a Hall of Famer or else he would have been in earlier than that. It's tricky because what happens is when you, when you say you're not a Hall of Famer, then we look at the negative side of your career. And these guys get to the point where we discuss their Hall of Fame career. And that's where I, I try to be fair to them. Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. For me, but he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I, and I like Eli. Uh, but if he was on the show and he asked me, "Do you think I'm a Hall of Famer?" I would say, "No, I don't. I don't think he was ever anywhere near the best quarterback in his sport. He did win two Super Bowls, and he beat Tom Brady, and that has to factor in. But that doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers, not a Hall of Famer. Fun guest, great career, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, it's, and I know that there's quarterbacks who didn't go to a Super Bowl, Warren Moon, Dan Fouts, Dan Marino. I know that. Like Dan Marino, take him out of the equation because Dan Marino is on the Mount Rushmore of 
quarterbacks when you look at that generation. He was unbelievable. Dan Fouts played for an unbelievable uh, head coach offense, and he was very good. Uh, They didn't make the Super Bowl. Warren Moon, you can't really say, well, he didn't play in the Super Bowl. He couldn't even get in the NFL. They wouldn't draft him. Goes to the CFL and wins, what, five Grey Cups there. But it's just tricky when you start to talk about a Hall of Fame. And I, I like what Dion is talking about, that you know, certain number of votes that you get or whatever it is that puts you in the, the penthouse. And, and that adds another layer to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Because then Rich Eisen could say on NFL Network, and we have a member going to the penthouse. That, that to me would be awesome. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, or like the gold level. Call it like the gold level. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not a big judgment. Everyone's going to know what it is. I would say one thing, though, I kind of like the Veterans Committee if there is an oversight. For whatever reason, like you mentioned uh, Sterling Sharp the other day, and you mentioned his numbers, and you compared him to Calvin Johnson, that was an oversight. And, and usually you get the benefit of the doubt if you, you leave the sport due to injury that you're like, you know, Kirby Puckett with baseball. Yeah. A guy, he should be in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, he's going. So I like the oversight committee for like a, a mistake of a generation, maybe. Well, Sterling Sharp's a Hall of Famer. Um, and then you get into this, you know, is he, should he be in? Drew Pearson's in and he's not in. And the answer is he should be in. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, we have these arguments, these discussions. But it feels like if I say, is this guy a Hall of Famer? And you either say yes or no. Not, well, not now, but in 26 years from now. Uh, but if you could start a team with one of the Hall of Famers who went in, Joe Thomas, Darrell Rivas, DeMarcus Ware, those are all the important positions besides quarterback. You got your left tackle, you got your corner, and you got your edge rusher. We'll save that for a moment. Let's bring in uh, Taylor Twellman, the uh, MLS lead analyst on Apple TV. He was at the Dallas Inner Miami game last night covering Messi. Good to see you again, Taylor. Let me start with the women's team. Uh, was this a matter of maybe not having that, like a cohesive roster where you had young talent, you had some older players maybe shouldn't have been playing, and you had some injuries, So, and the world's caught up a little bit here. I think it's that last point, Dan. I think that's where it is. Six years ago, I raised this topic, and I took some real criticism on it, rightfully so to a certain extent, the fact that the United States women, they are – the level that everyone wants to chase. It's completely different versus the men. We all know that. But about six years ago, I said when the footballing soccer countries not only put their resources behind the women's game, but their brains behind it, and I'm talking the technical, tactical aspects of the game, the gap's going to be closed. There have been warning signs, Dan, with the youth in our country and the youth national teams struggling to get out of groups now that generation's with the first team. Now we're seeing the best, most diverse U.S. Women's uh, World Cup ever. And so now it doesn't surprise me that the Women's World Cup now has Canada, Germany, Brazil, the United States going home. I think the U.S. women are up against it. And I'll say this for your listeners. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I think this is a watershed moment for the U.S. women. Well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is they've got to really address top to bottom how to fix that. And I think it starts with the youth. Now, listen, on one level, and this is the ex-athlete in me, 
the Summer Olympics is just around the corner, so they can change the manager. They can potentially change the general manager. You can change what you said a little bit in the roster, getting old, get rid of some of that, bring in some younger players, the injuries, then those players come back. You can quickly fix that at the first-team level. But what I'm talking about is systemically, you've got to make sure the 14s, the 16s, the 18s, the 20s, the 23s, the rest of the world's catching up to us, Dan. And if we as a country are just relying on athleticism and fitness, we could be behind the eight ball, not only in the next World Cup, but for the next eight to 12 years. I think it's a systemic issue, and I think the United States Federation behind the women's side needs to address that top to bottom. What was the mistake made with the roster and maybe, you know, keeping some of these, you know, Mount Rushmore women on the team and they shouldn't have been on the team? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, if you're going to have them on the team, they better be really good in dynamic and leadership. And I think there's a debate to be had there. Listen, Carly Lloyd took a lot of criticism and I defended Carly Lloyd. Dan, you know this way better than me. Many athletes leave the field get into this job, the red light comes on, they don't want to say anything, they don't really want to give their opinion because they're scared about their friendships or relationships off the field. Carly Lloyd gave her opinion. Whether I agree or disagree, that's not here. But she's the closest thing we have in the media to that group, and she wanted to bring up mentality. She wanted to bring up leadership. I got to listen to that, Dan, if I'm going to listen to anyone. And so I think there's a real good argument that they relied on reputation versus repetition and i think it may have caught up to him and it's a polarizing team i oh, didn't no doubt. i didn't realize how po i forgot how polarizing they were to a certain segment of of america and and there were there were people celebrating the us i don't remember a us team playing on a big stage in any sport where we reacted or people reacted that way like yeah good I'm glad. Go home. Why? Because that's the world we live in now, Dan. I mean, listen, I, honestly, I've never seen a red, white, and blue team rooted against as much as the U.S. women. And it's equal pay. It's diversity. It's the fact that Megan Rapinoe was the first athlete to back Colin Kaepernick and support him when she knelt. They, then it's the cameras all over them. They're not singing the national anthem now. They're as polarizing as any group that that may be there. Now, I, I'm of the mindset on a personal level, they're also sticking up for what they believe in. I have no issue with that. But you've got to deliver. Now, I raised a real question. I don't care if they're men or women. You are two-time defending world champion. And if you come into a stadium and dancing and singing, you're bringing more attention to yourself than is needed. You're already the two-time world champion. You don't need that. You didn't see the French national team come into the 22 World Cup dancing and singing on the men's side. Now, I criticize that. Now, all of a sudden, Dan, I'm called a bigot. That's just the world we live in now. And so I am very confused in the world we live in because the women that we're talking about, the Hope Solos, the Carly Lloyds, they've told me off camera and behind the scenes, we need people like you to criticize us, analyze us the way you do men. Dan, when I do that, I'm now called a bigot. <laughs> I'm now called a, a sexist. And so you're, you're asking me, I don't know really what the answer is. But I do know this is one of the, if not the most polarizing teams in the world of sport. Make no mistake about it. 
Taylor Twellman, the uh, MLS lead analyst on Apple TV, he was uh, at the Dallas Inter Miami game where Messi had a couple of goals. Simplify his greatness if you can. <laughs> uh, buddy, I can't. But I, I said this during the game, Dan. I think you'll appreciate this. But, but I, Taylor, I, I liken him to Steph Curry. It doesn't make sense. Oh, he's bigger than that. No, no, no. What Steph Curry? Well, Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. He's undersized. Fair. He doesn't jump. He's not quick. He's not strong. You know exactly what's what's coming. Yeah, uh, I can look at Messi and go, that guy is the best player. Now I know it's against MLS competition, but still, I, 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 there's something about him that he does something in a different way than anybody else who plays the sport. What is it? Yeah. Now, Dan, you say it's against MLS competition. By the way, he did this at the World Cup against the best <laughs> okay. players in the world that is true. six months ago. That's He's different. <laughs> okay. I, what, what I said in this broadcast last <laughs> night, and by the way, I slept right there for three and a half hours because I couldn't sleep anyways because of what happened last night. The truth is this. There's only four athletes that when the occasion comes and the expectation level is there, they super they, they exceed those. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali. Steph Curry's not one of those guys. He's changed basketball, but he has failed. Lionel Messi, Dan, every single time the moment comes and you say there's no way, whether it's the World Cup when he's 35, whether it's Inter-Miami where he's had maybe four trainings with the team, it's unbelievable how every single time he delivers and then some. I don't know if we've ever had an athlete in this sport Pelé was one in a million. I'd say Johan Cruyff, Diego Maradona, but they didn't do it as long as he's doing it. He's 36, Dan, and still operating at a level that very few, if any, have ever operated at. Have you ever been in a friendly against him? I've actually played in a real competition. 2007 Copa America. We played in Venezuela. We were up 1-0. 25 minutes later, we lost 4-1. <laughs> <laughs> what was the scouting report on Messi back then? Do you remember? And that's the bad. I'm actually glad you asked that because that was 2007. He hadn't done. He's not seven time Ballon d'Or winner, right? He hasn't done any of that. I, I likened him to this. And I remember, remember when Michael Vick made his introduction to college football. And I forget the defender that the linebacker from the Florida State team that played him, but the, he compared him to a chicken on a farm and you're running around trying to chase the chicken with the chicken with his head cut off. Lionel Messi walks. He walks more than any other player. And yet, I likened him. He's 5'7", 150 pounds. He's like the water bug on top of the lake water that just bounces everywhere. And you think you got him. You got him. You try to hit him. You slap him. You can't touch him. He's easy to find. He's the easiest guy right now to see on the field and say, hey, he's number 10. He's in a pink jersey absolutely kick the snot out of them. And Dan, no one can. It, it, it's honestly, Dan, it's the most remarkable trait. The best ability is availability. He's never seriously been hurt. That is amazing to me. And he doesn't flop either. Uh, no, nope. which, nope. which I, I respect that, but I liken him to the same thing as Steph Curry. It's like when a raindrop goes down your windshield and you have, and then it just takes a hard left, and then it'll take a hard right, and then it keeps goes straight, and then it's a left. That's that would be my comparison. That Messi is like that rain drop going down your windshield, just like Steph Curry. 
Some things yeah. you can't explain, but that's the beauty of, of sports. Nope, but Messi's got two quads on him. That buddy, that raindrop has about <laughs> seventeen raindrops on each leg because you can't yeah. knock him off the ball. Uh, and you you faced him when he was twenty. Yeah, I know. That's it. thanks for dating me, Dan. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. How that would you, how would you do against him now? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in the hospital after about thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, great to talk to you again, Taylor. Thank you. Yep, great seeing you, bud. Uh, Taylor Twelman, uh, MLS lead analyst on Apple TV, and uh, there to witness Messi last night. I just remember, who was it on the show? Uh, Landon Donovan. I said, what is it that he does? He said, he does the little things, but he does so many little things better than anybody else. When And then you add it all together, and then that's what makes it magical. It doesn't look like you know he's that fast or that strong or that, whatever it is. But it goes back to Steph Curry. Um, or maybe Steph Curry is like Messi from the standpoint of you can't explain it. Because if I said, you know, that guy coming out, that's Steph Curry right there. And if you knew nothing about basketball, and I'd say he's, uh, he changed the game. That's, one of the, that's the greatest shooter of all time. You'd be like, well, how much does he play? Does he even get in the game? And then you watch him play and you go, that doesn't make any sense at all. But that's the beauty of sports. There's certain athletes where you go, I don't get it. But they do. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com slash status. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.